And Dave, if you want to get us started. And Matthew 6, I guess we'll start with verse 1. Jesus says, let you get there. Matthew 6, Darlene 1. Take heed that you do not your righteousness before men to be seen of them, else you have, your, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. When therefore thou doest alms, sound not a trumpet before thee as, a, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have received their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy Father, who seeth in secret, rewardeth thee openly. I'm going to stop there just a second. Who's ever looked up the word alms? Anybody here? That word alms means compassionateness, that is, exercise toward the poor. So giving to the poor, being compassionate to the poor. And he says when you do that, do it in secret. Don't even let your right hand or what your left hand know what the right hand doeth or vice versa. However, he says it there. If you think on that, how would your right, does he say right hand or left hand? I just read it. But he says, uh, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. How could that be possible? How would your left hand not know what your right hand doeth? You ever thought of that? You ever thought about what Jesus said? Naturally, that would be impossible, wouldn't it? Pretty much so. But he's making a point not to broadcast what you're doing, that, that you have your relationship with God in secret as you are giving to those in need. And it could be money, it could be food, it could be clothing, it could be the word of truth. Don't broadcast it to be seen of men. As the hypocrites do. For they have their reward. He says they have their reward among men. That their, their reward is the praise of men. But here's really where the Lord spoke to me, and my spirit is coming on down here in, in Matthew 6. He says, And when you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have received their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thine in, inner chamber, and having shut the door, pray to the Father who is in secret. And thy Father, who seeth in secret, shall recompense thee or reward thee openly. And in praying, use not vain repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not therefore like unto them, for the Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now here's what the Lord spoke in my spirit. I I was there in the song service and he spoke in me, teach my people to pray. And I never prepared a lesson on praying, but he just spoke in my spirit there, teach my people to pray. And, And what come before me is what people call the Lord's prayer. I think this is really our prayer. I think if you want to describe the Lord's Prayer, you'd really go to John 17 and look at how Jesus prayed in John 17. But here He says, when you pray. The first part of praying and coming before God is recognizing Him as Father. I mean, this is a powerful, powerful statement, recognition 
for the believer. Because if you go into the Old Covenant, and I haven't searched this fully, but if you go into the Old Testament in the Old Covenant Scriptures, I don't believe they recognize God as their Father. Because they weren't in the relationship of a father and a son. They were in the relationship of a servant. The, under the law, the relationship of father and son wasn't really known. Although God called Israel, Israel is my son, in Exodus, even my firstborn, they dwelt in a relationship of a servant because they were under the law. So, so when we come and pray, you know, Jesus is bringing the relationship to the believer of a father and a son, and as we approach God, we approach Him as Father. And there's a lot to be said in that understanding. Your Father, which knows that you have need of, your Father knows you have need of. Think, think on this. Your Father knows you have need of. And if your Father knows you have need, if I come into the natural... And there are wicked fathers. But for the most part, when, the fa- when a father in the natural has a child, the father in the natural wants to give the child everything he can. Everything that's good for him. He already wants to give it to him. You know that? That's not, that's not the child doesn't have to beg the father. For clothing, for food, for a place to live. He doesn't have to beg for necessities. The child doesn't have to come and beg for necessities, right? Right. No, because the father's mind is to provide for the child. That's his mind. That's already his thought. That's already his consideration and purpose. So if I come into a relationship of God as my Father, would He not much exceed earthly fathers? So that's why He says to, to, about the Father not to say, not to even think of what you, those natural things that you have need of. Because your Father already knows you have need of them. He already wants to provide them. Now that's a powerful thought. He already knows that. So when so Jesus says, when you come, pray this way. Our Father. My Father. God, you're my Father. Yes, you are. So I come and I say, You're my Father, God. You are you have fathered me. You have birthed me. And you praise his name. Hallowed be thy name. And, and again, when I when I read things. And the Lord's been dealing with me about this throughout this week. When I read things, I have to look them up. I, I don't know what all these words mean. I don't know the context of all these words. So how do I get there? What do I do? I look them up. Brother Stanley supplied, if not all of you, uh, most of you, he supplied to you a Strong's Concordance. And the Strong's has a number tied to a word. And especially when you get into Old English, and I read primarily American Standard or King James, and both of them are written in Old English. And we, today, we don't speak in Old English, do we? So so it's like, like, uh, I I mentioned this a few services back, uh, a relative of mine uh, talking about, don't I just read the King James Bible? And I told them, no. And I went on to tell them that I don't think Peter and Paul and the apostles spoke English. So, uh, so I, I, I would be subject that the King James is the only correct version if the apostles didn't speak English. That would be, that would be kind of extraordinary, wouldn't it? That they would have went for many, many years without having a correct Bible. But, but what they say is that the King James came from the appropriate text. Maybe it did. I haven't I haven't researched all that out. Okay? But there were texts that that this Bible was written of that came out of 
Greek, Hebrew, and my understanding Aramaic. So, so there were the languages of the day. And, and certain things applied to those languages. And, 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 I, and I'm in this word hallowed, and I've got a thing coming into my mind of, of it's easier for a camel to what pass through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Am I saying that right, Bob? Well, the needle's eye, according from what I understand, you know, in my natural understanding of a needle's eye, I look at a sewing needle. But my understanding is the needle's eye was a particular place that the camel had to bow down, humble himself, and kind of crawl through there in a humbled way. And that what Jesus was saying, it is, it is easier for a camel to humble himself than it is for a man filled with the riches of this world. Which doesn't necessarily have to be wealth. It could be the pride of your life. You know, we look at riches as only as finances. But you could be rich in pride. You could be rich in your own mind. And it's it's easier for the camel to humble himself because he's, you know, he's an animal and he's got to go through there than it is for the rich man to humble himself. So when we come to God, we come to God as our Father. And we come and Jesus says, Hallowed be thy name. And that word means to make holy. That is, ceremonially, purify or consecrate mentally, hallowed be holy to sanctify. So we hallow, make holy the Lord's name. Yes, sir. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And this just goes right along with the camel, thy will. Because we're subjecting ourselves to His will. Yes. We're bringing ourselves to His will. Thy will be done. Right. In earth as it is in heaven. If it's going to be done in earth, the first place in earth it's going to be done is in you. Amen. That's the first place Amen. in earth. We always want to pray God's will upon other people. Put them under God's will. Let's get you under God's will. Well, the first one that's got to come under God's will that you deal with is the man in the mirror. The one that stares back at you, that's the first one that has to come and submit to the Lord. See, we don't talk a lot about submission here. But our submission is to the Lord. And as I submit to the Lord, then I can submit to one another. See, if I refuse to submit to the Lord, how do you think I'm going to submit to you? Not at all. <coughs> I'm not going to. No, not at all. I'm going to promote self-will. Self-whatever. I'm going to have my own opinion about things. And I'll be honest with you, my own opinion ain't very good. I'll come in and say, well, this is what I believe. This is what I think about a subject. And there's a lot of subjects that, that we don't really want the Lord to deal with. We don't want Him in our nitty-gritty. We really don't. But He, he, he affects our living. He's our Father. And we're in a relationship of a father and son. And our every need is supplied by Him. So I have to come to Him and look at look for His will. So I should I, when I say Thy will be done, what what's His will? I don't even know what I'm praying if I don't know what His will is. So so when I when I come to the Lord in prayer, when I come to my Father in prayer. If I don't have any understanding of His will, 
And I say, Thy will be done. I, I'm praying kind of in ignorance. You know that? Sure. Sure. I'm not praying with understanding. I'm praying in ignorance. So, so how I have to know His will is I have to search it. And we've dealt with some of His will. And the word will, what does the word will be, mean? It means a determination that is choice. Specifically, purpose, decree, inclination, desire, pleasure, will. So God has a will. He has a purpose. He has a desire. He has a wish. And we've talked about one of them. We talked about it a whole lot, part of His will, that He desired truth. In the inner parts. So God desired that there would be truth in man. And in order for man to know truth, man has to encounter truth. And I'm not talking about true things. I'm talking about the truth. Until I come to an encounter with the truth, I don't know what truth is. I may know true things, I may know truth about things, but not the truth. So Jesus comes on the scene and says what? I am who? Truth. So now the definition of truth is wrapped up in Jesus. So truth in my inward parts is wrapped up toward Him. So, So now when I start praying... God's will, God, you desire truth in my mind. Because my inner parts are what? My spirit, soul, mind, heart. I start looking at inner parts. Now I open up a whole other Pandora's box, right? Because you got all these words of mind in your Bible. Lots of words deal with the mind. And that mind is a powerful thing. That mind will take you one way or another way. That mind. So, so we come to truth in the mind, in the inner part. And, and, and that's what we come to. Give us, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So as it is in heaven, God wants it in earth. Really? Yep. That's what he said. That's what he said. As it is in heaven, be in earth. Be in earth. So this is God's thought. This is God's will. Oh, yes. And how do I get there? Give me give us this day. So here Jesus is giving you a clue. Give us daily bread. Now, is he talking about white bread, wheat bread? Rye bread? Sourdough, you can go name them all. No. He says, I am the bread of life. So daily, so I talk about my daily walk with Jesus, should be met with what? Bread. So if I'm not setting aside some time to eat, I'm probably malnourished. In the natural, I guarantee you, me and Calvin and Dave set aside time to eat. You take us three, you can look at us. And, and, you, and you're, not, you're not looking at us and going, you guys are skipping meals. You're not saying that. You're not thinking that. And sometimes when, it, when we've been a little long here and it's getting closer to 1, one thirty. I guarantee you if you talk to me and Calvin and Dave, and I'm just picking on me and Calvin and Dave because they can handle it. There's others. We, we are ready to eat. And usually I'm prepared with something in my back before I get here for my ride home to eat. That's correct. So I'm daily... Preparing myself, huh? 
Yeah, to eat. Daily. So, so if I don't daily get into the Word of God, I'm probably lacking nourishment. I probably am. And I'm talking about reading this Word. Oh, Jesus said, Lo, how does He... Lo, I come where at? In the volume of the book. It is written of Me. So, so I'm looking for the Lord to come. He says, I'm going to come in the volume of the book. Now, He physically came in the volume of the book. It was written of Him. He physically came out. He did everything the book said. He was everything the book said. From the beginning to the end, everything it says is speaking of Him. That's why I said, search the Scriptures in them you think you have life, but these testify of Me, and you would not come to Me that you might have life. So I come to the volume of the book, and it speaks of Him. So if I'm going to have life, I have to see the book, who the book is talking about. It's talking about Jesus. So if I find the book to be talking about something else, I'm probably wrong. I've said this many times in the past. Many people look at the book and they look toward looking for the answer of the end of the world. Well, he said it's a, it's testify, a testimony of him. Yes, it is. So that's why people have made so many wrong predictions about the end of the world because they're 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 looking for the wrong testimony. <coughs> you ever thought about that? They're looking for the wrong testimony. Because they're not looking at the Word as a testimony of Him. And so they've, they've come up with ideas of how the world's going to end, when it's going to end. And, and preachers have predicted many, many times the world has ended. If I'd listened to every preacher who told me the world's ending, I mean... Huh? Been gone a long time ago. The, 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 if I paid attention, and, and the sad part is, and I don't know how I got on this, this subject, but I'm going to run it. I'm going to chase this rabbit for a minute. sad part is, God's people get called in this thing. And the same guy that tells them the world's going in tomorrow, and it doesn't, he'll come up with a new prediction. And they believe that too. Well, after he's told me two or three times the world's going in, and he misses it, I think I would move my mind somewhere else. Amen. Amen. Maybe he doesn't understand what the Scripture is speaking about, and maybe he doesn't understand what God is talking about when God's talking about the end of the world. Remember who the truth is. The truth is who? Can everybody say who the truth is? Jesus. Remember what the Scripture testifies of. It testifies of Him. So now I come in prayer and I know God's will is wrapped up in Jesus because His will, I come. Jesus said, I come. Who come to do His will? He said, I did. So now if I'm going to find God's will, I've got to find out what Jesus come to do. And he told you what he come to do. He says, I, he taketh away the first, Hebrews says, that he may establish the second. So he takes away the first. So God's will is wrapped up in Jesus' work. And Jesus' work is taking away the first to establish the second. Amen. And the book of Hebrews, that, that, that almost sums up the whole book of Hebrews if you read it. Is God is dealing with a taking away and an establishing. And that should be in our hearts. He took away the first covenant. And He established the new. And, And the biggest thing we probably battle is we try to walk before the Lord in two covenants. We try to live unto God according to two different covenants. It's probably the biggest battle we have in our mind, in our inner parts. 
are these two covenants. The law of Moses and grace and truth by Jesus Christ. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So most of us, when we feel guilty, you ever feel guilty, Sister Shirley? You do? I know you do. You measuring yourself by the law. You go back and read the law and measure yourself by the law or religion that's been brought up on you. For most of God's people are at. Is they're wrapped up in the law. Why are they wrapped up in the law? Why are they wrapped up in religion? Because they are, they come to Jesus. Right? I said this uh, a couple weeks ago. Just as I am without one plea, how did I come to Jesus? Just as I am without one plea, I come to Him, and I received Him, and He received me, and then I got with Him. And the next thing I know, most of the time, much of the time, the preacher then is going to preach me into condemnation. I got free from condemnation for a brief moment. So this moment comes, and I'm free. And now I'm wrapped all the way back up in this big word called condemnation. I'm walking around condemned. Got, got a lot to work out here, Brother Wayne. And this is where God's people walk. So they can't minister freedom because they're not free. I can't minister a freedom that I'm not free in myself. Won't work. But... Jesus said, whom the Son, whom the truth has made free. You could call the Son the truth. Who He has made free is free indeed. Now flip over there, John 8, and we may come back here to the rest of the Lord's Prayer. But you go read the rest of this. Read the rest of this, for this is how He said to pray. Forgive men their trespasses. For if you don't, neither will your Father forgive you. It's a big one. Alright. So turn over to John 8. Who wants to be set free from condemnation? I do. Do you want to be set free? Alright, let's, let's go here and look. Verse 31. I like this title that's right above it in my, in my Bible on my computer. It says, The truth will set you free. The truth. What will? The truth. What? The truth. the truth. What won't? The lie. So the lie ain't going to set me free. Religion ain't going to get it done. Law of Moses didn't get it done. The truth had to come. Jesus therefore said to the Jews that had believed in Him, If you abide in My Word, then are you truly My disciples. And you shall know the truth. If you abide in My Word, He said you're going to what? Know the truth. So if I spend time, and what did Jesus do in His prayer? What did He say? Give us this day our daily bread. Okay? Maybe they should go together. Because if you abide in My Word, you're going to know that... What, where do you know at? Your mind, your heart, your inner, inner parts. You're going to know what? The truth. And by knowing the truth, you're going to get what? Made free. It's going to make you free. They answered Him. 
answered unto him, We are Abraham's seed and have never been in bondage to any man. Oh, yes, they have. Had. <coughs> How sayest thou then, ye shall be made free? See, they never said we're God's children. They said we're Abraham's seed. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, everyone that committeth sin is the bondservant of sin. Or slave of sin, however translation you're reading. And the bondservant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. See, the servant doesn't abide in the house forever. But the son abides forever. Hear that. The servant ain't going to buy it forever. God doesn't call you servants, but sons. This is important to get a hold of. Because we want to be servants. But the Son abideth forever. If therefore the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed, yet you seek to kill me, because my word hath not free course in you. I speak the things that I have seen with my father, and you do the things which you've heard from your father. He tells them what, who the father is. And verse 39, and I'll stop here, and you may want to go on and read it all. But verse 39, they answered him, answered and said unto him, Our father is Abraham. Jesus said unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me. You seek to do the works of Cain. You seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth which I heard from God. This did not Abraham. You do the works of your father. They said unto him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto him, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came forth, forth and am come from God, for neither have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Now they were hearing the sound of his word. But they weren't hearing his word. They weren't understanding. Ye are of your father, the devil. Well, that's pretty uh, bold. You're of the devil. Something to understand there. Probably. I think Jesus just minced words. And the lust of your father will you do? He was a murderer from the beginning and standeth not in the truth because there is no truth in him. He was what from the beginning? Now most, most people told us the devil was this art angel, holy angel. Amen. Jesus said he was a murderer from when? The beginning. The beginning. Now, said the truth, not in it. Now, have you ever heard that the devil was some kind of beautiful angel? Jesus said he was a murderer from the beginning. wonder who's right. I think Jesus is. I think Jesus is right, right? See, see what I mean? But our minds get set into things. Now, there's probably a lot to understand here that I don't understand. I'm, I'm going to tell you there is. I don't understand a lot of this. So I'll tell you that. But I know who knows the truth does. So the truth knows, and the truth will make me free. Amen. It'll make me free even of things people say. It will. He will. The truth is a he. So anyway, we come back up here, and, and he said, if you were Abraham's children, you'd do the works of Abraham. What, what did Abraham's works did he do? He believed. He believed God. Flip over to Galatians. See, this is what they refused to do, is believe God. Actually, I said Galatians. Flip to Romans 4. You can go to Galatians too, but Romans 4 is what I want. Romans 4, 1. I'm going to read out of the New American Standard this time. So I've read already out of different translations. I think anyway this is what I copied. 
If, I, if it's not, forgive me. But what, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. But not before God. So his boasting is not going to be about God. It's going to be about the works he did. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God. What did Abraham do? He believed God. And by believing God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So Abraham believed God, and God credited righteousness to Abraham. Not because of works. Because he believed God. Now he did works. Out of believing God, he did works. But he did the works of God's Word. God said to Abraham, Get up, get out of thy country, go to the land that I'll show you. Abram got up, <coughs> went out of his country to the land that God showed him. So he didn't just believe God and sit down and say, I believe God. He believed God and operated in that belief of God. Now, God told Abram He's going to give him a son. Abraham expected a son. So they believed God, so, so now the expectation from God was a son. Was it? That was his expectation. He's going to get a son. I'm going to get a son. God told me that. We need, we need to get a little bit like our father, Abraham. God said this. God said it's his desire to give us the kingdom. God said... It's His desire that the kingdom come and earth as is in heaven. So we need to get a little bit about, about like our father Abraham. God, you said it. I'm expecting it. Amen. I, I'm, I'm here holding your word accountable because you said it. So Abraham believed God and has credited him to righteousness. Now, now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what's doing. So if Abraham went out and worked to be righteous, he never received favor or grace from God. It would have been out of his works, out of his own doing. That's why the law can never bring forth the righteousness of God, because then it would have been out of your own works. And that's why it can't today. And that's why there's so much frustration of trying to be right with God or righteous. Because we try to find it of our own selves. Right. And it won't work. Never has worked. But to, but to the one who does work, but, but anyway, I'll back up now. To the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, he does what? He justifies the ungodly. Who does He justify? The ungodly. The ungodly. So He justifies the ungodly. No matter how filthy you are, He justifies you. (laughs) Glory to God. His faith is credited as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. So how does God credit righteousness? Apart from works. So again, this is speaking back to the law, that under the works of the law, they couldn't find God's righteousness. They couldn't find His favor. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. He won't do what? Won't hold it against you. Not taken into account. 
Is this blessing then on the circumcised or on the uncircumcised also? For we say faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. This is a big deal. How was it credited? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while he was circumcised, but while he was uncircumcised. And then the circumcision became a sign of the faith A seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while uncircumcised. So it became a seal of the righteousness of faith that he had while he was uncircumcised so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised that righteousness might be credited to them. So he's the father of all. Yes. Whether they were Jew or Gentile. He was the father of all, and the circumcision in his flesh was a seal of righteousness. So we have a better circumcision than he did, because we had the circumcision in the heart. So now, we come up to today, and we read this last time I was here, Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 2. Jump up and down, everybody, when you read this. For the law... I might need to read verse 1 first. Go back to 8, 1. Romans 8, 1. There is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. How much? Zilch. He doesn't condemn you. You might condemn yourself. But God doesn't condemn you. Why not? Because He judges you through the work of Christ. That's why He does not condemn you, because the judgment is through Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. So the law of the Spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned or judged sin in the flesh. He judged sin in the flesh on Jesus Christ. That was God's judgment to sin. Is... It got laid upon Him. Isaiah 53 tells you that He's going to do that. He's going to take the iniquity of who? Of us all. So, He's not going to leave a little bit of your iniquity, Calvin. He's going to take the iniquity of us all and He's going to put it on Jesus. And Jesus is going to carry the load and die, and that's the judgment of sin is His death. So that's how He sets you free from sin, is that He takes your sin, put it on Jesus, if we can hear it, so everything you ever did, or everything you were going to do, he already put it on Jesus. And crucified Him. Making Him an offering for sin. Amen. That the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. Verse 4, that, it says that the ordinance of the law, the King James says the righteous requirements, that's the ordinance of the law, is righteousness. 
The righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. See, most of us walk after the flesh. For they that are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So if I, if I walk after the flesh, my mind is going to be according to the things of the flesh. And, and I said this a couple weeks ago, that's not just bad things. The law is according to the flesh. The law of Moses is according to the flesh. I'm telling you the truth. For the mind of the flesh is death, or the carnal mind is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. So to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So the carnal mind is death, spiritual mind is life. Can we, believe, can we believe that? The carnal mind. So do you think a lot has to do with your mind? With truth in the inner parts? Evidently, there's a lot of Scripture talks about the mind and the heart. So there's a lot to do with your mind. So if I'm flesh-minded, I'm going to walk in death. If I'm spiritually minded, I'm going to walk in life and peace because I'm going to comprehend through the Spirit that Jesus is my reconciliation and my peace with God. That, that he, he laid all my inabilities upon Him. And He made peace through His cross. I'm going to understand that. I'm going to come to comprehend that, that, that I have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That He rules over condemnation. The king rules over, this king rules over condemnation. If you are a subject in his kingdom, and you are, thy kingdom come. Remember what we're praying, thy kingdom come. Well, this king rules over condemnation. This king rules over sin. This king rules over the penalty of sin. So I have to get a hold of what this king does. I really do. I have to get a hold of this king. So, so back again, Galatians 3, and then 2 Corinthians. Galatians 3 says, and I read this before, Oh foolish Galatians, foolish, who did bewitch you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was openly set forth crucified. This only would I learn from you, receive you the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. How did you get the Spirit? How did you get filled with the Spirit? By the law? No. No. The law was there that whole time, and they weren't filled in the Spirit with the Spirit. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit... How did you begin in Christ Jesus in the Spirit? Are you now perfected in the flesh? I'm telling you, this, this Scripture right here, most church fellowships really need to hear this. What Paul was saying to them, you, you, you began in the Spirit, now you're trying to become perfect through the flesh. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if it be indeed in vain? He therefore that supplies to you the Spirit work of miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God and it was reckoned unto him for righteousness. Now I'm going to stop here for a minute. So Paul's telling them, I do miracles among you, do I do it because I keep the law of Moses? No. You know how many times preachers, including myself, have probably got up to pray for somebody and said, oh, I got mad, or oh, I did this, or oh, I did that. That thinking that because they did something, God couldn't heal 
the person coming up for prayer. So not only was the person coming up for prayer, guilt, you know, sitting there with guilt. Many times the preacher's standing there with guilt too. You know that? So you have two guilty people asking God to heal them. Probably doesn't work, does it? Because again, we come back to our own works. We get centered upon our own works. Not His work. See, see the key to this thing, and I'm going to have to continue this, uh, 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 continue on. I have to listen to the last two and then move forward because this is important. The key to this thing is His work. Amen. So, so, so Romans eight, the key to Romans eight. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in, that little word, in, Christ Jesus. Because when I'm in Christ Jesus, I have come into His work. Because I, I can't get rid of old things. Old things can't pass away. And all things can't become new in myself. It comes in Him. That's like people say, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. And I want to say, oh, no, you're not. You might lose a little weight. You might get a new boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it is, but you ain't going to turn over a new leaf. Because you're stuck with the same mess you were the day before. Same mess. Where you going to find new at, where the new leaf is at, is in Him. And that's where you're going to get free from the old one at. Is in Him. So now in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. In Christ Jesus. That's a big word. Little word, but it's a big word. Because what's in Christ Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? What's in Christ Jesus? Hey man, brother, life, peace, joy. Read Ephesians 1.10. That He would gather together all things in one. Even in Him. Even in Him. Amen, Bob. So, so when, you, when you say that in Christ Jesus, all is gathered in Him. So if He gathered all things, He gathered heaven and earth into Him. Oh, yes. And He's the measurement of all things. He measures out all things. He's their judgment. And I'm telling you, judgment's not a bad thing. We're worried about getting judged. Jesus is your judgment. All that is. And He judges me righteous. Not through my works. By His. And He can do it because He's the King. See, a king king has all authority, right? A king of a kingdom has all authority. That's why God didn't set up a republic democracy or whatever we're called here in the United States or even a democracy. He didn't set up a republic. He didn't set up a democracy. He set up a kingdom, a monarchy. One rules. And we need His rule. I need His rule in my heart. I need the execution of His rule on my mind. That... Abraham believed God and is reckoned to him for righteous. Know therefore that they that are of faith the same are the sons of Abraham. The Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, 
preached the gospel beforehand unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed, so then they that are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. My God, for as many as are under the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who continue not in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. Now that no man is justified by the law before God, it is evident. It's made evident. No man is justified by the law before God, for the, the righteous shall live by faith, and the law is not of faith, but he that doeth them shall live in them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. So what did He become? He become a curse. curse. <coughs> for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hang upon a tree, that upon the Gentiles might, become, might come the blessing of Abraham in Christ Jesus. What, what might come? The blessing of Abraham in Christ Jesus. What's the blessing? That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. My God, that we would receive the promise of the Spirit. The promise of the Spirit by faith. By believing on Him. By His justification. By His execution. By His government. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So I want to know your government, Lord. So when I come back to the Lord and I start praying, and I want you to go read 2 Corinthians 3. I ain't going to today because it would be too much longer. But I want you to go read it. Because it deals with the with the law of Moses and deals with the law of the Spirit. Amen. Show you two laws in operation. Law of Moses, law of Spirit. But I do want to take your mind to a Scripture or two out of the Old Testament and we're winding down. In... Let me find it here. I put it, where did I go do that at? Isaiah 32 says, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness. Well, how will he reign? In righteousness. And princes will rule with justice. My Lord, each will be like a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the storm. Like streams of water in a dry land and the shadow of a great rock in an arid land. My Lord, listen to that. A king will reign in righteousness. A king will reign. So his kingdom will be a kingdom of righteousness. Can we hear that? His kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. He is the King of Righteousness. Now, now turn over to Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. And verse 5. Behold, the days come. Now we can say the days have come. They were saying, Behold, they're coming. Behold, the days come, saith Jehovah, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. Do you think he's raised unto David already a righteous branch? Amen. I think he raised Jesus unto David, right? So he raised unto David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. What's he going to execute? Justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called. What? Jehovah our righteousness. 
Man, I wish I'd fully get a hold of this, Bob. And walk in it. He is my righteousness. I wish that judgment right there would get a hold of me. See, I want him to I want him to judge me for every bad thing I do. Think, say. Every every time I get angry, every time whatever. He is our righteousness. See, if I believed he was my righteousness, maybe I walk in righteousness. If I believe righteousness came out of him, you know, we 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 say that as he is, so are we in this world as he is. He's right is he righteous? Then as He is, guess what? We are. So to be transformed, to be righteous, to walk in righteousness, to walk in good standing toward your brother, is knowing Him. That's it. He is our righteousness. He, he, all our iniquity was laid on Him. And all our justification is through Him. So our justification, we, we, we can kind of get our iniquities laid on Him. You know that? We, we, we can kind of get that part of it, that, that He took my sins. But I don't think we can get our justifications through Him as well. See, we, we try to get justified so, so we come and believe, and I think this is one of the hard things for Christians, we come and believe God, Jesus, forgive my sins. Don't we, Sister Shit? Forgive my sins. But what we probably don't do is, Jesus, make me righteous. As we probably revert back in our mind and say, I'm going to get right with God. You ever thought of that? I'm going to do it right this time. Lord, You are my righteousness. See, if I believed He was my righteousness, I might get righteous on the inside. If I believe that, there might be a... I don't think there might be. There would be a working of righteousness come on the outside. But if I continually look at my inability and rely upon myself to be right with God, Probably never going to experience what he's done. I shouldn't say never. I'm sure he'll bring me into it because I'm a believer. But I'm not experiencing it now. I'm not experiencing what he's done now because my reliance has come back to me. My reliance to get my sins forgiven wasn't me. Because I couldn't do a thing to forgive my sins. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stop. But you're going to have to bear with me a couple more minutes. I couldn't do a thing, not one, for my sins. I could say I'm going to quit sinning. I could quit habits. I could do this. I could break that. But I still had a consciousness and awareness of what I've done. He took it. And see, see we, we Christians still believe, well, he, God's going to get me back for everything I did. He already got you back and He put it on Jesus. So, 
So if I believe that, if I begin to reap, I can reap what I sow, right? So if I begin to sow Him as my righteousness, I might then, or not might, will reap righteousness. You are my righteousness. So the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, because the prince of this world has already been judged. He was already judged. And see that second part, He's going to convict you of righteousness. He's going to show you that through Him you are made righteous. His decree. Well, we're, we're going to come to the Lord and say, "Well, Lord, you 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 accomplished my getting rid of my sins, but you didn't make me righteous." We don't realize who we're coming face to face with. I don't think Jesus, you you did. You took my sins away. Now, clothe my mind, clothe my heart, clothe my spirit with your righteousness. Hallelujah to Lamb. You've done it. You've justified me. I am just. Because you did it. Yes. You see, you see this, 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 this becomes so much greater when we read when Paul says we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord. And I'm closing my Bible and turning this off because most of the time we want to preach ourselves. We want to declare ourselves even with the Lord. We want to come to the Lord and bring the Lord, bring to the Lord when we come to our closet in prayer. And I start off here, we want to come to the Lord and we want to say, Lord, look at all the filthy mess I am. Don't we? We do. Maybe we should come to the Lord and say, Lord, look at all the work you've done in Jesus. Look at all the work you have done. You ever try that? Maybe.